I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. This is Religion Today with Martin Tanner, a weekly look at religion and spirituality here at home and around the world. Now, here's your host, Martin Tanner. Welcome. This is Religion Today. I'm your host, Martin Tanner. Today, we talk about the prophet Jeremiah, such an amazing man with an incredibly emotional personality. We see his emotions come through more than any other prophet. He went through trying times. Let's start with Jeremiah, talk about his call, the meaning of his name, and a few details for background, and then jump into his life and a bit about the times in which he lived and all of the incredible things that happened during his tenure as a prophet of Israel. His name in Hebrew is Yirmi Yahu, which literally means Yahweh exalts, or Jehovah exalts, if you prefer. The book of Jeremiah is often not a favorite of people because it's the longest book in the Bible. It contains 33,002 words. The next longest Bible is Genesis with 32,000. Psalms is next after that. Isaiah is number six. And if you add Lamentations, which is also written by Jeremiah, then you tack on another 2,300 words. So Jeremiah was... The prophet that wrote the most and had the very hardest life. Even though many of Jeremiah's messages include the date they were received from the Lord, they're not arranged in chronological order. Keep that in mind as you read Jeremiah. When Jeremiah and his scribe and friend Baruch put the messages that God gave Jeremiah into writing, they arranged them by subject. You'll notice that as you go through Jeremiah. Now, a bit about the world in which Jeremiah lived. He prophesied during five different kings of Israel. Josiah, the first one, 
lived from 640 to 609 BC. Josiah was killed by the Pharaoh, Necho II, in battle. You can read about that in 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 29. After Josiah was killed, he was succeeded by Jehoahaz, who was only king for a very short while, less than a year, in 609. He was imprisoned by Pharaoh, Necho II, and apparently was killed. In 2 Kings chapter 23, starting in verse 31, you can read about that sad tale. Next we have Jehoiakim, who was the king of Israel from 609 to 598 B.C., This is still a little bit before Lehi and his party leave Jerusalem. Everyone says 600 BC. It was probably more like 597-ish, give or take a little bit. But Jehoiakim was appointed by Pharaoh Necho II. He twice switched alliances from Israel to Egypt to Babylon. He, He was kind of all over the map. It's not because he was crazy. It's because he was living in such difficult times that he was kind of torn in two directions. Although we can't say Jehoiakim was such a great guy. He did burn one of Jeremiah's prophecies, as we read in Jeremiah 36, verses 1 through 32. He thought that it would be demoralizing, and he was not happy with Jeremiah. God was not happy with Jehoiakim because of that and other of his misdeeds. Jehoiakim died during the Babylonian siege of Jerusalem. Next, we read a little bit about another prophet with a similar name, Jehoiachin, from 598, early in that year, till... A little bit later in 598, he was prophet again for less than a year. He was taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar II, exiled to Babylon. Jeremiah prophesied that none of his descendants would ever rule Israel. If you take a look at Jeremiah chapter 22, verses 28, 29, and 30, you will see that prophecy of Jeremiah. And then we get to the last prophet under whom Jeremiah, or excuse me, the last king under whom Jeremiah as a prophet served, and that was Jedekiah from 597 to 586 BC. He was conquered by Nebuchadnezzar II. Zedekiah's sons were killed before his eyes. Then his friends were killed before his eyes. And then Zedekiah's eyes were poked out He was blinded and led in captivity to Babylon so that the very last thing he would ever remember seeing was the death of his sons and his friends. Pretty rough thing for even Nebuchadnezzar to do. We read about that in Jeremiah chapter 39 in the opening verses 1 through 7. Jeremiah was a boy prophet, maybe even younger than Joseph Smith, the underlying Hebrew word that means boy 
is used for such a long period of time. It can mean a baby all the way up to a teenager. So it's, it's hard to really know. Jeremiah chapter 1 verses 5 and 6 says this in the contemporary English version. I chose you to speak for me to the nations, says the Lord to Jeremiah. I, Jeremiah, replied, I'm not a good speaker, Lord, and I'm too young. In the King James Version, it says, I cannot speak for I am a child. The Hebrew word, as I said, covers everything from infancy to about puberty, so it's it's really hard to know. But he was apparently very, very young when he became a prophet. He was the son of Hilkiah, who was a Jewish priest. We read about that in very in the very first verse of the book of Jeremiah. He was raised in a place called Anatoth, which is a town three miles northeast of Jerusalem. We don't know exactly when he was born. We know that he lived during great political strife and wars, and he was often caught in the middle of everything. If we look at the length of his tenure as prophet, it's amazing. He was first spoken to by God in 627 BC. The last time God spoke to Jeremiah, according to Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 3, was in July of 587 BC. That means Jeremiah's ministry lasted 40 years. In contrast, the longest LDS prophet was Brigham Young, 29 years. Absolutely amazing how long he was a prophet. Jeremiah chapter 36, verse 4 says, I sent for Baruch, son of Neriah, and asked him to help me. I repeated everything the Lord had told me, and Baruch wrote it all down on a scroll. That's Jeremiah 36, 4. That explains how we have the book of Jeremiah. He acted much like Joseph Smith. God spoke to him. He repeated it out loud, and his scribe, his friend Baruch, wrote it all down. When we come back for our break, we'll talk a bit about the incredibly difficult life that Jeremiah led. Stay tuned. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. Religion Today with Martin Tanner continues on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We're back. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. Our discussion is about the prophet Jeremiah. If you have questions or comments about this program or any other, feel free to send me an email. Send it to martinstanner at gmail.com, and I'll be happy to respond. I'm a little bit backed up with my responses. I will get them done as quickly as possible. I'm about two weeks behind. Jeremiah had a difficult life. Here are just some of the highlights or maybe lowlights, if you will, about his life. He was told not to marry and have children in chapter 16, verse 2. In contrast, Moses was married. 
Isaiah was married. Most of the other prophets that we know of in the Old Testament were either married or their work is silent on the subject. He was specifically told not to marry, presumably because everything was so harsh and difficult during the time in which he lived. Jeremiah was attacked by his own brothers, we read in chapter 12, verse 6. We know that he was beaten and put into stocks by a priest and false prophet, according to chapter 20, verses 1 through 4. He was imprisoned by the king in chapter 37, verse 18. And we read about that again in chapter 38, verse 28. He was threatened with death, according to Jeremiah chapter 38, verse 4. He was thrown into a cistern, which is a giant water storage container in the ground, which was probably intended to drown him. This was done by Judah's officials. We read it about We read about it in chapter 38, verse 6. He was opposed by a false prophet in chapter 28. Fascinatingly enough, Jeremiah was told by God that God had chosen Nebuchadnezzar to rule the world. For reasons it's hard for us to fathom because Nebuchadnezzar was a very harsh person. But when Nebuchadnezzar seized Jerusalem in 586 BC. He ordered that Jeremiah be freed from prison and treated well. Evidently, he knew about Jeremiah's prophecies. We read about Nebuchadnezzar's treatment from him in chapter 39, verse 11, and chapter 40, verse 5. Jeremiah had a fascinating way of describing his messages from God. He did them often by acting them out, you know, almost as if he had gone to acting school. Here are just a few of the fascinating highlights. In chapter 13, in the opening verses, God tells Jeremiah to go out and buy a pair of linen shorts to wear around, but not to wash them. And then after he's worn them for an extended period of time without washing them, which would make them smell really, really, really bad, God tells them to hide these shorts in a bunch of rocks. Then later he's told by God to get the shorts out of the rocks, which by that time are full of holes, dirty, absolutely ruined, and useless. God tells Jeremiah, who's relaying this story to the Israelites, that Israel will be ruined just like the linen shorts, unless the people repent. In chapter 19, in the opening verses, God tells Jeremiah to buy a clay pot and to tell Jerusalem's officials that horrible things, which he goes into great detail about, but I don't have time to mention here about horrible things that are going to happen to them because of their wickedness. God tells Jeremiah that after he says these things, to throw down the clay pot and break it. And when it shatters, to tell the leaders of Jerusalem, this pot is the fate of Jerusalem. It will be shattered. 
in chapter 27, in verses 1 through 28, Jeremiah is told by God to make a wooden yoke with leather straps and to wear it, and then say to King Zedekiah and the kings of Edom, Moab, Ammon, Tyre, and Sidon, who were visiting at the time, that God has chosen Nebuchadnezzar to rule all nations, and that if you don't obey Nebuchadnezzar, you will all die and your kingdoms will be conquered. In chapter 32, God tells Jeremiah to buy his cousin's field when it's offered for sale. Shortly thereafter, his cousin comes along and says he can't afford to keep the field anymore, but asks Jeremiah to buy it and keep it in the family. Jeremiah does that, and God tells Jeremiah, just as your brother lost the field, but it will stay in the family because you've purchased it, the Israelites will lose Israel but eventually they will get it back at some time in the future. Fascinating metaphor. In chapter 43, beginning in verse 7, God tells Jeremiah to bury large stones in front of the government building in the city of Taphanes in Egypt, where the Jews were living at the time and while the Jews were watching, and then tell them all after He's buried all these stones in front of this government building. Nebuchadnezzar will set up his throne and royal tents over where these stones are buried, and many will die as Nebuchadnezzar loots this land. Very harsh comments. Jeremiah's prophecies were truthful. They were very difficult. Jeremiah hated to give them. I mentioned earlier that he was a sensitive man, very sensitive. In chapter 4, starting in verse 19, he just has these horrible laments. He says in verse 19, the pain, I can't bear the pain. My heart, my heart is beating wildly. I can't keep quiet. I hear the trumpets, the shouts of battle, kind of like PTSD today. Verse 20, One disaster follows after another. The whole country is left in ruin. Our homes are destroyed in an instant. Mine, along with the others, is rubble. He saw his own home destroyed. Verse 21. How long must I see the battles raging and hear its horrors? And then in in chapter 9, verse 1. He says, I wish my head were a well of water and my eyes a fountain of tears so that I could cry day and night for my people who have been killed. Jeremiah sees horrible fates for his people and talks about how the birds and wild animals would eat their corpses as food. And at the end of the siege, when Jerusalem was conquered by Nebuchadnezzar, the people ran out of food, and began to eat the dead, even their own children, who had died and passed away. It was a horrible time that he lived in. Nebuchadnezzar talks about even probably the Ark of the Covenant in First Ezra chapter 1, verse 54, which is not in the Bible, being hauled off with the other holy vessels of the Lord. So, I guess Indiana Jones didn't know what happened to the ark, but in First Ezra chapter 1, verse 54, we seem to know 
from what Jeremiah told us. We also know that Jeremiah at least had some comfort in the things that happened in the future about the restoration of Israel. We read in his book about a mother in heaven, about the idea that God has a physical body when the Lord reached out his hand and touched Jeremiah's mouth. We read about a pre-existence in Jeremiah 1.5. The phrase sour grapes, well, that comes from Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 30. And he is the one who's responsible for the phrase Old Testament and New Testament. In Jeremiah 31, verses 31 and 34, he says, there was an Old Testament or an old agreement, and there will be a New Testament or new agreement that will be written in the hearts of the people. Join me next week. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson. And unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.